Hello, I'm Ben Thompson, owner of Thompson & Terry Recruitment. I'm Mike Foster, the entrepreneur's mentor. And you are listening to an edited version of Get Radio's Business Brunch with Ben and Mike, uh, which airs every Sunday at 11am on DAB Digital Radio across Oxfordshire and online at getradio.co.uk. And our show introduces you to local trusted experts, whilst we also talk about topics that you, the listeners, tell us is impacting on local businesses and their owners. For copyright reasons, we cannot play the songs mentioned in the show. Uh, but for more info and business wrench related content, please do head over to getradio.co.uk. I definitely recommend it. Get Radio's Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Good morning. This is Get Radio and welcome to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. My name's Ben Thompson, owner of Thompson & Terry Recruitment. And I'm Mike Foster, the entrepreneur's mentor. Now, our regular listeners will know that we have our show here to introduce you to local trusted experts. But for those joining us for the first time, we also discuss topical issues that are impacting on local businesses. And today's show is a great theme as it's one of those, in my opinion, that are often missed by many business owners who are sucked into that day-to-day element of running their own business. So on this week's show, we look forward to welcoming our guests, who are Bill Scobie from the Federation of Small Businesses, Richard Easterbrook, who's the Director of Commercial Insurance at A-Plan Insurance, and Julie Taylor, a partner of Fenton Ellicott Solicitors. So Ben, my usual question for you, what should business owners be considering when they think about protecting their business? That's a great question as always, Mike. Um, And later in the show, we'll be discussing that exact question with our three experts. Um, We're going to be giving practical advice to you, the listener at home, um, whilst of course exploring lots and lots of general business. This is the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. We'll be welcoming our three guests after this. Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. Today, we're talking about how to protect your business. Um, and we're coming from three very different angles today. So um, so let's start um, with with Bill. Um, welcome, Bill. Good morning. Good morning, Ben. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, so just firstly, um, tell the listeners all about you and indeed the FSB. Right. Well, currently, I Federation of Small Businesses is my focus and I feel quite... Um, sort of evangelical about that, and I'll explain why. Um, before that, I was running a company, a telemarketing company locally in Oxfordshire. And my life prior to that was in the more large large corporates like France Telecom and BT. So a wide variety of um, business experience. I'm a marketer by trade and profession. So, um, uh, yeah, that's always useful. And of course, the thing running your own business, you suddenly find, having come from a corporate background, you think, I'll ring HR, I'll ring legal, I'll ring this, I'll do that. Someone always knew. Um, When you're running a small business, you're it. And it was the Federation of Small Businesses that I found provided a go-to thing for most things you're likely to come up with or problems you're likely to face as a business. Hence my evangelical stance on it. Amazing. No, good, good intro and look forward to hearing more about the FSB over the next hour. Um, Second up is Richard. Welcome, Richard. Hello. Um, So, yeah, Richard Easterbrook, A-Plan Insurance, although actually when this goes out, we will have rebranded to Howden Insurance as a business we, we started in 1963 and have been in Oxford since 1963. Um, but a couple of years ago, we the business was sold to uh, a, a larger entity looking for a UK presence. And uh, 
from the 2nd of October, we uh, we recognise that change and the A-Plan brand will be no more and we will be held on insurance. Amazing. No, look forward to hearing more about that. Um, and last but not least, Julie, uh, welcome. Hi, thank you. Um, great to be here today. Um, yep, so I'm a specialist employment solicitor and I um, am partnering with Clinton Elliott Solicitors. Um, that means that we help businesses with a variety of issues, really, um, all to do with employing people, so contracts, resolving disputes, and anything that ends up with an employment tribunal as well. Amazing. Perfect. Um, Julie, I am going to stay with you for a tough question. Um, so uh, the, the three of you will be asked for a song choice this morning. Um, so you're at first. Um, what is your song choice and why have you picked it? I would be thrilled if you would play a song called Head Rush, which is by a brand new band called TV Yellow. Um, really brilliant if you could do this to me because it's actually my nephew's band. So um, he will probably be really embarrassed for me so I'm very proud of him, but I think they're brilliant. <laughs> Discussing topics that impact local businesses and their owners. This is the Business Brunch Podcast, sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Welcome back to the Business Brunch here on Get Radio with Ben and Mike. And before that song, we were being introduced to our three guests today, Bill, Richard and Julie. And today's roundtable discussion, as mentioned earlier, is going to be around protecting your business. And really looking forward to the three experts covering maybe different angles, but I'm sure there's going to be some overlap at some point during our conversation. And I'm sure Ben will um, have some chip in whilst I'm also encouraging you, as always, Ben, isn't it, to get their notepads out and make those uh, copious notes as we go forward. So, Bill, let's kick off with you and keep it, like I guess, as a round topic. What, right. what are you seeing in the conversations that you're having with uh, members or potential members of the FSB right now in terms of the things that they're worried about in terms of protecting their business? Well, the thing, there are a raft of things that people worry about. Um, some we can help with, some like cash flow, we can't, uh, but... Uh, cash flow is one of the things you have to manage very carefully, as any small business will know. Um, but there are worries about uh, employing people, making sure they have the right contracts, making sure that they have the right insurances in place, and a whole host of things that they worry about, including um also, you know, am I going to have a tax investigation? What happens if they do? You know, how, how do I make sure everything is covered and who do I speak to when I do have a problem? No, absolutely. No, a great, a great way. Richard, I think that leads on very nicely to you, doesn't it, in terms of insurance uh, for, yeah. for when the worst does happen. What what should be the things that businesses should be considering when, when thinking about their insurance? There's a couple of key elements, really. I think the most important one is to go and speak to somebody who's going to give you advice. Mm. There are lots of different ways of buying insurance and probably what most small businesses aren't aware is that not all insurance brokers or insurance provisions are advice-led. They simply give you the product that you think you want. So I would say the most important thing for any small business to do is to make sure that they're speaking to somebody who's giving them advice. Um, Then layering over that is to be thinking about what your appetite for risk is, because insurance is essentially you transferring your personal risk as a business as an individual to a third party some businesses will have a higher appetite for risk some will have a lower appetite for risk and there is such a thing as buying too much insurance you know if you're buying insurance that actually you think you're never going to use but because it's there um that can be you know having too low an excess if you're thinking well actually i wouldn't mind having a thousand pound loss well then 
don't don't buy a policy for your business that gives you a £250 excess. You're probably buying too much insurance. But also think about the wide range of exposures that you have got as a business. One of the biggest mistakes that we see clients potentially making is protecting the assets of the business, but not necessarily protecting their personal liabilities as a director of that business. And, and that, for me, would always be one of those key components of the value of getting advice from somebody who can talk you through not just do you want to buy this product or do you want to buy that product, but what are the exposures of your business? What are the exposures of you as an individual in running that business? And how do we best put together a program which meets your needs in terms of cost, you know, cost that's going to be of value to you and that you can afford, whilst at the same time ensuring you aren't leaving yourself exposed in areas, for example, whereby you know, an accountant might say that a particular individual isn't employed by you. From a tax purposes, they may not be employed by you. Mm. But in, from an insurance perspective, there is a duty of care and they would be treated as an employee. So you need to make sure that all those little components of your business, you're having a conversation with somebody about so that then you're presented with a portfolio that matches your risk appetite to what you're looking to try and achieve. Brilliant. I like that. I like that. I'm certainly going to come back to some of those points a little bit a bit later. But Julie, let's bring the, the conversation over to you because Bill gave us a lovely introduction where he mentioned about um, his members' considerations and he mentioned insurances that Richard started to cover off there. And he obviously covered off employing people um, yeah. if you if you have that desire. So what are you seeing in terms of the, the topics right now? Obviously, Bill mentioned contracts. What, what, what are you seeing right now in terms of the worries that people have about protecting their business? Yeah, so um, there's been quite a trend recently, I think, where we've heard all about the quiet quitting and employees moving on quite a lot. I've seen quite a move towards enforcing restrictive covenants in employment contracts. So these are the kind of things in there when your employee joins you, you'll be asking them when they leave to, um, not to go and poach certain customers for a certain period of time um, or not to take certain key members of staff. Um, they can be notoriously difficult to enforce and um, you know, there's lots of mitigation surrounding them. But the starting point generally is to think about what you what might be damaging to your business and what is important for you to protect. Um, and if having something in your contract like that would be useful or give you some security, then always to be able to enforce force them or to send warning messages to employees, you've, you've got to start there really with getting the contract up to speed and reflecting your business and, and what is a legitimate interest or legitimate thing for you to try and protect if your employees do choose to move on. Um, that alongside confidential information, I think, again, is, is another kind of big asset of, of a business or, or valuable to a business. So having some strong provisions in there about protecting their information can be useful as well. So it's almost a bit of a back to basics, I suppose, as employing people is, is look at the contract. There are certain things you've got to do by law as a minimum, um, like setting up the rate of pay or the hours of work and holidays and, and those kind of things. But actually, as a business, there might be other things you want to put in above and beyond those to give you your business some protection back. Oh, amazing, amazing, um, Bill. I, I, I think it's um, it, business would be amazing if 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 us business owners never made a mistake. Um, <laughs> and, and, and and in the world of business, you know, we, we all make mistakes, and some some bit big, bigger than than smaller. What would be your advice to to businesses who have made a mistake and and I, 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 I guess um, are in a, in a sticky situation where where they don't don't know what to do about it? First thing is get advice. Get advice from somebody who knows. I mean, whether it's the FSB or your lawyer, your accountant, um, 
Ideally, you take advice beforehand, but if you haven't and you end up in a sticky situation or you haven't end up in a sticky situation, get more advice. Don't try and bury your head in the sand. You've got to actually face it uh, and deal with it because it'll only get worse if you let it linger. I remember a, a conversation I had with the FSB, but I'm going to direct it over to yourself, Richard, in terms of insurances that we must have or insurances that are you know, optional to have. Uh, so so what are the, some of the must-have insurances we should have as, as businesses? So if you look at products in terms of legality, in reality, there's only really two products that you are required by law to have, and that is sort of cover for your vehicles from a road traffic act perspective and employer's liability. So that protects the, the, the people who are working for you or even if not employed by you, for whom you are deemed to have a duty of care. And that can include volunteers, that can include labour-only subcontractors. So those are the legal requirements broadly. Obviously, what you then move into is areas where there is a broad either expectation that people will have them or perhaps a contractual liability if you're doing work for a customer that says you need to have certain covers in place. Now, broadly speaking, you sort of look at losses in two ways. There's first party, i.e. stuff that you lose, stuff that gets burnt down that's yours, stuff that you get stolen. Do you want to insure all of those things? And if you do, ensuring that they're adequately protected, that could be the, the unit from which you're working. That could be the stock which you've got in place. So, And that's where I go to the point around appetite. Some people might go, well, I can accept a small loss, but I wouldn't want a big one, so I'll make sure my insurance is tailored in that way. And then there's the losses that protect other people. So that's things like public liability insurance or professional indemnity, where the damage that you cause to others is impacted. And those tend to have much higher limits of liability because clearly if you injure somebody, then you know there's a potential there for, for a very significant exposure. So that point around what you should or shouldn't have on a first party, broadly, you're able to make the decision based on your own appetite. For a third party, i.e. hurting other people or other things, we would generally say you've got, often got much greater exposure in those areas, so you should make sure they're pers- that those are protected. But we've also got what I would call emerging risks now as the world has moved on, and here we are all sort of sounding as if we're in the same room, but looking at each other on a screen, sitting in disparate locations around uh, around the county, and to, to, to Bill's point, you know, even further afield. Um there are now cyber exposures because we all now utilize technology in a very different way. And that within itself brings additional risks to the business. And you may, that's not linked to whether you trade online, that's linked to where you might hold your customers' information. You know, the days of a filing cabinet with some, a paper filing and a lock and key being where you keep your customer information along on generally it's on your phone it's on your laptop it's it's in a way that somebody could compromise so those exposures now are are changing and emerging as as we all move into a different way of working and that goes back to the point i think you'll probably find that the word we're all going to talk about quite a bit and it's said a few times already now is advice that Actually, especially in a small business environment where you're the expert in what you do, you're the expert in what you make or what you service you provide or the thing that you deliver, you may think that you know what your potential exposures are, but in reality, you probably will have missed something if you're going by what you think you should get to get advice, talk to somebody, understand what those are. And actually, then you can make an informed choice 
But, you know, if I were to break down the priority, there's the legal requirements, there's the contractual requirements, and then there's your appetite for risk. Uh, re- really good advice there, Richard. And certainly I, I think it will resonate with, with a lot of people listening at home, particularly in terms of we all as small business owners wear the marketing hat and the finance hat and the insurance hat, don't we? So it's so certainly um really, really good point you make there. Um, Judy, just bringing the conversation across to you with with your employment hat on, continue with the hat theme. Um, what would just be really good um to, to talk about is what what to do um and again i feel like a little bit like the grinch this morning i'm always talking about what to do when something goes wrong um but, but what should what what would be your advice to employers listening that are potentially having a challenge with with a staff member or something is happening with it within their workforce what's 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 the first steps that they should do in that scenario i think um one of the key things that i always say to the employers that i work with is, is always kind of take a deep breath and, and step back from it before kind of wading in and, and, and jumping to conclusions um sometimes things aren't always quite what they seem so in an employment or context of an employment situation it's always really important to investigate and understand what's going on and generally with that it's all about communicating and i think if you've got good communication in place and that's the foundation for hopefully things going well with managing your team and your workforce and getting the best out of them as well. Um, and it might be that different people or, or different employees have different ways that they want to um, communicate or different ways that they find easier. But I think being reasonable in that and, and taking a balanced approach would, would always help and, and hopefully um, diffuse any conflicts before they escalate as well, rather than jumping in because someone's giving you one version of events. If you make sure you get the other side of the story, then you can manage that dispute and, and find a way forward. Um, sitting with that is probably the bit about getting advice as well if it's, if it's something tricky or if there's a discrimination allegation that's been raised or, or complicated issues in the mix there, then taking some early advice can also stop the problem escalating quite quickly. Um, and underpinning that, giving some thought to having a handbook alongside um, your employment contract can be useful as well. And with that, um, it might just be a couple of things that you have in there about how you deal with grievances. So if, if your employees are happy at work, setting out a process they can follow to raise those concerns, or making it clear that if there is a dis- disciplinary issue or a problem with their performance, again, that you'll follow a process back to address it rather than just jumping in and, and dismissing them for a first offence, which and drink hot water in other ways anyway <laughs> um, but just having those processes there can be really useful brilliant I, I think it's one thing, Bill, that I wanted to explore with yourself, because I know from Federation of Small Businesses, you offer a support line for uh, your members, um, if I'm still correct in my my features, if you like. Well, we have a number of lines, yep. Yeah. And I know yeah, in the past, these type of lines have been sort of like a bit of a luxury to have, you know, a bit of a benefit that, to add that actually businesses weren't using them. But I, I find now that businesses are actually using these these lines to call and get a little bit of advice. So what, tell us a little bit about, more about those lines then that you, you offer from an FSB perspective well we have a, a very broad range of services so you have a legal helpline um I, I don't want to tread on anyone's toes here but legal insurance um health and safety uh, data protection reputation so if something happens to you these days you can get you can lose your reputation through social media very quickly um we have a service where People can um, come to us and then we'll work with a PR company to actually try and counteract that as best we can. Um, we also have um, uh, su- succession is another thing that people might want to worry about and how they actually do that. Um, so 
the whole range of things, I mean, including as well uh, debt recovery. So if you have a, a, a bad debt that you need to speak to, um, we can provide a certain level of, of service on that included within the membership. And then if you want a solicitor's letter, there's a small fee to be paid for that sort of thing. And uh, tax investigation. You have a tax investigation, contact us and... Uh, that's included in your membership. We'll actually manage that and work with your accountant. Wow. Wow. No, amazing. So, some really, really good services there. Mm-hmm. And Bill, I'm going to stay with you um, for, for one of the three most difficult questions today, um, which is your song choice. So <laughs> um, you have chosen the song for our listeners today. What is your song choice and why have you picked it? Uh, it's Manic Monday by The Bangles, um, which, as I'm a blues guitar player, might not seem a logical choice. It reminds me of my kids when they were small. They, for one period of time, they played it endlessly, and um, it, it's just nice to hear. Oxfordshire Station gets radio. Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. And before that great song uh, chosen by Bill, we've been speaking with our three experts, Bill, Richard, um, and Julie all about how you can protect your business. And I think the big theme um, that the three experts really have shared with you is it is really all about the advice because none of us can know what we don't know. Um, so, so Richard, I just want to, um, on that phrase that I just used, we don't know what we don't know. Um, I thought it'd be really useful really to go back to basics here and, and maybe for you to share with, with those listening at home, what is the process of working with an insurance broker? So if somebody were to reach out to a plan or soon to be Howden's, um, what, what would be that process of working with an insurance broker, I guess, from start to finish? Yeah, so we would start really by under asking you lots of questions about your business. We, we can't give you any advice unless we understand what you do, how you do it, how you're set up. So it starts really with a conversation with the client around all of those mechanical things really give us the basics but then there's also what we call the soft stuff you know so that point of appetite for risk what is it you're looking to achieve what would you be comfortable with what what would you really be concerned about and and then what we then do is we go to the market so once we've got an understanding of a business's needs our job is to go to the insurance market and we deal with you know in excess of 100 different insurers to come up with the best value proposition that meets those needs that we've identified across a variety of product ranges. And what we'll then do is we'll then make a recommendation. And this is key because it goes back to that advice point, having understood what your needs are, we then make a recommendation to you that is linked to price. And of course, price is important. We're never gonna say price isn't important for anybody buying any product, but it's about value. you know is that pro- that policy may not cover certain things, this other one may cover more things. And we'll, we'll talk you through those and then make a recommendation based on what we understand those demands and needs to be. And to the what you don't know point, we will also talk about that there are certain covers that I would say most businesses fundamentally know they've got to buy. You know, they know they've got to buy public liability or employer's liability or fleet insurance for their vehicles or that, whatever that may be. It's those other covers that people tend to not realise that are available to them, 
where the value comes. And if you don't know that it even exists, you will never go and buy it online because you don't know what you're looking for. And those are covers along the lines that we touched upon, that cyber cover. Um, for, and for example, Bill talked about within their helpline, you know, your PR risk in terms of reputation. Well, a cyber insurance would pick up that exposure for you if somebody was trolling you online. Um, and then what we call directors and officers cover, which is one that's less well known, especially for small businesses, but actually any director of a limited company, it's the first policy they should be looking to purchase because it's the one that protects their house, basically. Because even as a director of a limited company, you have personal exposures. So the process is we go through that, we make a recommendation, and then based on the feedback of the client, we proceed with putting those appropriate covers in place and then maintain that dialogue. It's not a once and done. There are regular update meetings with the client. We'll go and see the client or the client can come in to see us at one of our offices. Um, but invariably, we'll go and see the client and, and understand if their business is evolving, and especially in the current times, we see businesses evolving much more rapidly than perhaps they would have done and diversifying as they use the skills they have to perhaps deploy into a different area if, if their area of expertise is perhaps challenged at the moment because of economic times or because of certain supply chain issues that we see in certain sectors of the market at the moment they'll want to diversify and try and use those skills elsewhere and it's important that that's that's what's important it's a dialogue and not a once and done transaction that's then left on the shelf well, a fantastic explanation, really, in terms of what the experience would be if they uh, were, to, were to approach yourself, because I think that really backs up the word, but a tailored support that you offer. I think that's fantastic because it's very easy to quote words like tailored support, which I guess is an industry word, but uh, to give it give the evidence in terms of the way you've explained that, that's fantastic. Thank you for that. Um, one of the things, Julie, that uh, Richard has talked about is the appetite for risk and mm-hmm. I guess working with some of the businesses I work, one of their appetites is how they treat their staff you know, in terms of whether they think they're ever going to get sued or whatever that may be. So let's put this into some sort of reality. It goes to tribunal. What sort of things have, you know, what's the risk of going to tribunal in terms of potential fees or potential time it's going to take me to resolve those things? Let's put it into some context for our, mem- our listeners. Sure. Okay. Um, so if we, I, I suppose if you think about an unfair so you've had an employee, they've been with you three or four years, you've just had enough and you dismiss them without any process. Your risk of unfair dismissal claim um, will probably depend a bit on the personality of who's involved, how agreed they are about it, but they've got three months to do something about it. Your first stage is they'll go to ACAS to try and see if they can resolve it. And if you want to pay out some money at that point, you might be able to stop it from going to tribunal. Um, if the claim proceeds, um, and what the tribunal will be looking at is whether there was a fair reason to dismiss and whether there was a fair process, and you need to have satisfied both of those to be able to defeat the claim. Um, so if you follow no process or um, don't have a fair reason, then, you, then your risk of an adverse claim is going to be pretty high. Um, what the tribunal will then do um, is, assuming you um, allocate the claims for a hearing, you'll have to spend time drafting witness statements from those that are involved. You'll be ordered to disclose all of the relevant documents to the dispute. An ordinary unfair dismissal claim is likely to be one or two days in tribunal, um, so you'll incur costs um, either of management time coming out and attending the hearing, of legal representation if you choose to have it, and there'll be lots of different options that you can look at doing that. So um, either um, solicitors can represent you, barristers, or you can represent yourself. There are very different 
ways of doing that. And if the tribunal finds in favour of the employee bringing the claim, they have the power to award up to 12 months' pay as, as compensation. So, so their starting point might be to look at a basic award, which is calculated like a, st a statutory redundancy payment. Um, so for a three or four year employee, um, it's probably only like to be a couple of thousands, but then it, the rest of the award will depend on their salary um, and what their loss is. Employees do have a duty to mitigate it, so they should go out and look, look for other work. Um, but if you haven't done any of the prior process or um, tried to address, address any disciplinary or capability problems and you've gone straight for a dismissal, um, then that would up your risk. Um, but that said, there are other ways that you can look at managing that. You can look at offering without prejudice settlement agreements at quite an early stage if there's an employment situation that's just not working for you. Um, but generally, you need to be able to put some money behind that to make it worth the employee's while just to make them move on without going through a capability process or some way of supporting them to meet the standards that you, you require in your business. Really, really, really good advice. Um, Bill, by by definition, um, Federation of Small Businesses, of course, you're, you're you're supporting a lot of small businesses, um, and, and I think it's widely reported that, um, or you know, it's, it's fact most of us are employed by small businesses or run small businesses. Um, what what are you really, I guess, seeing on the ground with small businesses right now? Um, what what is the feeling? Um, I guess um, you know, we're we're told on the news all the time that we're in the middle of a recession and there's a cost of living crisis and Brexit. What what are you really seeing on the ground? within small businesses across Oxfordshire and further afield? Well, the economists will tell us we're not technically in a recession because we haven't had two quarters of negative growth. Um, but I think a lot of people are finding it difficult. The cost of living crisis, even if it's not affecting your own cost in a business because you've got it all under control, it's still affecting your customers and how people buy. So there is a worry that demand is down because of it. Um, th then you've got other issues that go with that, um, uh, people, employees might possibly. I've 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 heard of someone recently who who had issues with an employee and managed to get themselves stuck into a seven year contract because they didn't read the terms and conditions. I think a lot of small businesses need to understand what you've mentioned. We don't know what we don't know. Um, and I think businesses are aware that there is an awful lot they don't know. And therefore, having an advice, an advisor for things and being wise enough to read what you're signing and not be rushed are very significant things for businesses. Um, so, yeah, it's a little tough out there. But I think generally around the, the county, people are sort of confident they'll get through it. And it's not as bad as other areas. We're quite lucky where we are. It's great insight to, to the local market. Richard, again, building on this, what we don't know, you very kindly uh, shared an example earlier about when an accountant or an insurer may class somebody as an employee or not. Um, and I guess, you know, from my own experience, you know, um, I remember speaking to a, somebody who basically said to me about how those different parties calculate gross profit, for example, for insurance purposes versus the accounts perspective. So is there other things that you can give us as, as kind examples that we should look out for in terms of things that we may think are the business term, but from an insurance perspective, they look at it slightly differently? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think that you, probably the two there, gross profit and our, our, our employees, the two main ones. Um, and I think that's where, again, each 
business is is different. So it goes back to that point of, and I, I know there's a common theme here, and for risk of repeating ourselves, that, that kind of because each business is different and each business operates within its own sector in a different way. That's why having those conversations is important rather than just getting it wrong. And to that gross profit point there, under insurance is a really big issue where people are getting either those calculations wrong because they've just gone, well, my profit is X rather than actually my gross profit is Y and therefore I've given the wrong number and I'm underinsured. but equally, we're seeing that at the moment in in sort of significant property space and stock, where these inflationary pressures, of course, and supply chain issues, not only mean that the cost of what we're buying has gone up, but the cost of replacing anything has gone up. So we see significantly uh, clients who are massively underinsured because they've insured at what something might have cost them when they bought that bit of machinery a couple of years ago. And it only took them six months to get that machine in, whereas now it's got a two-year waiting list because of supply chain issues and it's trebled in price. Yet they haven't changed their business interruption period, either period that the insurance company will pay out while they haven't got that machine or reflected the increased value of that machine or the building within which they are working. Um, so each and whilst we as as you know as insurance brokers we cannot ever say to a client what the value of something is what we can do is we can point out those factors to a client to make sure they're going away to validate the numbers that they're giving to ensure that they're accurate um there's a new piece of legislation i say new it's a few years ago now called the insurance act um and actually, it places a really high degree of responsibility on a business client, not only to give to answer information honestly and accurately, but to go and search, i.e. make sure that the information you're giving is accurate. You can't just say, well, I thought it was that and I got it wrong. You need to be able to do something called a reasonable search to validate that information. Again, you won't know that if you're buying online or you're buying in a non-advised way. Um, whereas you know, that's a conversation we would have with all of our clients. So I think terminology is always a problem within any business. Part of our role as brokers, and I'll, I'll widen this up and say, you know, all good brokers are doing this. Clearly, we like to think we're doing it slightly better than everyone else. <laughs> but, but is debunking that terminology point and making sure that your clients really understand what they're buying, why they're buying it. And when we're asking a question that they understand what it is and and, and there's additional piece of legis- not legislation, but regulation come in just very recently called consumer duty. And actually it focuses very heavily on that. The idea that you need to make sure your communications are clear. You need, you can't rely on, something that you might know as an industry term, as an insurance industry term, and expect that your clients will understand it equally. We need to spend the time with people to make sure they know what they're buying. And given the exposures that are at play when you're running a business, it's your livelihood, it's the livelihood of the people that you're employing, it's the the supply chain of the customers that require your services. Those can have really significant impacts if if we're getting them wrong. No, really, really good food for thought there. Um, Richard, I am going to stay with you. Um, As with Bill and Julie, um, you have chosen a song for the listeners this morning. So what is your song choice and why have you picked it? It is Joel Corey, Head and Heart. 
And I think the reason really is it kind of it, it came out during lockdown and the video I remember was very colourful and was on constantly in the background with my children playing it on various music devices. And I, it, it, it lifted my head and my heart through lockdown a little bit, I have to say. The Business Brunch Podcast from Get Radio, sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. Um, today we're joined by three experts um, to talk about how you, um, the listener, can protect your business. Um, so, so Julie, um, I'm just going to come across to you and and really kind of talk positives um, now, if that's okay. Um, we, we've spoken um, about it being a competitive employment market um, and actually about getting the right advice. So I guess... Um, what would be your advice to employers to make to I guess help do the right things at the point of employment to make make their make their place of work or make their company really a great place to work and and to have the right benefits and to have the right I guess contracts and terms and and, and perks like what what are the good things that you should be doing as an employer uh, from, from that first instance? Uh, from from the very beginning, I think yes, yeah, thinking about the, the job that you're actually recruiting somebody to do and thinking about how that is reflected in the contract and the job title and, and the hours. And I think um, being having good communication in, in place, I think, is one of the key things that I talk to lots of different employers about, having that kind of dialogue or discussion so that if an employee is experiencing a problem or something that might impact on their work, they're not afraid to come and talk to you and deal with that problem, but also in a way that means that you've got that flexibility that they will help you out when you need it as well. So there's that trust there um, and, and kind of mutual support, I guess. Um, but yeah, I think um, thinking about the policies, thinking about the procedures and thinking about the type of culture and workplace that you want to promote um, and having that kind of inclusive environment where people aren't afraid to, to speak out um, will also help you as well. If you've got employees that are watching out for your business and aren't afraid to say when they think things could be done better or differently, that will also support you in a lot of different ways as well. So there can be a lot of value from having that engagement from the staff. Fantastic. Well, Bill, is there anything else that uh, we've not covered in terms of things that topics, you know, I think you've mentioned, obviously, tax investigation and debt a couple of times. So, you know, finance is obviously, as you said, uh, a big concern. But how can people protect themselves from, sort of, I guess, debt situations right now? Um, well, make sure you do a credit check, perhaps, before you take on clients. No point. It's great taking on a wonderful contract, lots of money. If you're not going to get paid, it's no good. Um, so that I would definitely suggest. And the other thing, if you are taking advice, tell your advisor everything. Don't try and color it. Be very open and honest with them, because if they're going to give you the best advice possible, they can only do that if they know all the facts. And I think, you know, as a business owner, sometimes you can be tempted to say, yeah, but I really want this to happen. I know when I bought my company 10 years ago or so, I was impatient with the solicitor because it was taking so long. Then I thought, hang on, they're on my side. Slow down, read everything, cover everything. That way you'll be all right. That's my advice. <laughs> 
Um, R- Richard, I, I want to go off topic a little bit whilst you're here, if that's okay. And um, so, so I, I know that um, A Plan um, were originally set up on the high street in Oxford, um, and you've really, really kept local ties despite being being a big business. Um, you know, I know that you very, very kindly advertise on Get Radio as as, as, as a great example. Um, but but is it, do you find that that's that's a big factor of your success of of how how you stayed in the community and supported good causes and and done and done the local work? I'm, I'm just quite keen to of a very successful well-known Oxford business just very keen to kind of get your thoughts on that absolutely I mean that that has been key to us and I think actually what's been key is but by sticking to what we know we're good at um the fact that you don't you can't you know we also do car insurance and home insurance so we're not just business we do the whole gamut but, but you know can't buy online with with a plan because ultimately uh, there's a misnomer that says the way everyone wants to spend their Tuesday evening is trawling through comparison websites rather than sitting down with a hot cup of tea in front of Corrie and a biscuit, you know, kind of actually spending the time and it's not a lot of time with somebody that then goes away and does it for you. And by the way, which doesn't cost you any more money. There's obviously a, a, there's a, a misnomer that somehow insurance is cheaper online than it is if you get advice. Well, if you think about it, if you're visiting somewhere online, it's because they spent millions in television advertising to get you to go there. Um, that's all built into their cost model. So our cost model is local engagement. Our cost model is having a presence locally. It's being part of the community that we are there to serve. It's engaging with that local charity that's that's got a real local interest, working with local schools to try and build funds to help them replace equipment. It is attending the local Chamber of Commerce event. It's being part of a community isn't about being present or having a location there. It's about actually getting out, knowing the business. And because we employ local people, we know the areas that we're insuring. We know that business park. We know that street that that person lives on because our teams live are there as well. And that, for me, adds a huge layer of value to clients when they're talking about something. And ultimately, I know insurance is a dry subject. You know, I'm never anyone's first sort of dinner party guest when it comes to sort of what do they want to be talking about. But actually, what we do, what we, if we think about what we're talking about, we're talking about probably the most expensive assets and people will ever have in terms of physical assets, whether it be their car, their home, or their business. And in the event of something going wrong, knowing that that will be resolved without a headache and someone will be there to do it for you. That's actually how we've continued as a business to grow over these years and how we replicate that local model in other parts of Oxfordshire and beyond by servicing those local communities. Fantastic. And I'd certainly echo it's worked. And we are coming towards the end of our show. We're coming into our last minute. And we love to finish the show, if you've seen it before, in terms of um, our top tip from each of you. So putting you on the spot, you've got about 20 seconds each by the look of it. What would be your top tip for our listeners about protecting their business? Julie, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, Yeah, so I think... um keep your communication simple and clear, think about your contracts and have some underlying base policies to keep you in, in good shape with managing people. What about yourself, Bill? Uh, simple. Go back to the read contracts, read terms and conditions. Don't get rushed. Don't get pressured by any sort of sales technique. You've got to do it now, otherwise I can't give you that deal today. It'll be there tomorrow. 
just take the time. Super. And Richard? I think given what it entails and the terms of the protections that it provides to your business or your individuals, give it the time it deserves. can be something you think is a, I want to get away with and just get this off my desk. Actually, give it the time it deserves. When something goes wrong, and unfortunately that's what we're in the business of in insurance, you'll feel so much better if you've done that upfront. Amazing. What great advice to end the show. Um, but unfortunately, um, the hour has gone very quickly. Um, so thank you so much um, to our three guests on the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio today. Um, if you are just tuning in, I would definitely recommend um, listening back to the podcast and the video version when they come out in the week. Um, as we've had Bill Scooby of the Federation of Small Businesses, um, we've had Richard Easterbrook of A-Plan Insurance, uh, soon to be Howden's, um, and we've had Judy Taylor of Fenton Elliott Solicitors. So thank you so much to the three of you for being um, such a delight and sharing such honest and practical advice to you, the listener. You've been listening to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike here on Get Radio. We're back next week with more guests and even another topic or theme that you, the listeners, have told us that you would like us to cover. And just finally, that reminder that you can listen in via the radio or online each Sunday at 11 o'clock. The podcast format available via all your favourite podcast platforms is released on a Monday morning. And then you can look out for the video format, which is on the Get Radio Facebook page or their website each Tuesday. But for now, enjoy the rest of your Sunday and we'll see you next week.